everyone and welcome to the Enduro World Series podcast episode 27. Now, this week we have something a little bit different for you. For a start, despite this being audio only, I'm sure you'll be able to sense the lack of the hulking presence of Rory Cunningham. He's just back from the States, so he is busy walking about in an outsized Boston Celtics leather effect bomber jacket and returning what's left of his traveller's checks. Before the EWS team left for their recent site visits to our two US venues for next season, it's the first time we've ever gone back to back on the East Coast, uh, we had a chat and thought that it would be cool to dig a bit deeper and to explore some of the stories and characters behind the series. Chances are, if you're listening to this, then you, you probably know that mountain biking is a fairly universal language and anywhere you go with your bike, you'll meet similarly like-minded people. It takes a small army of those people to put on each and every EWSE and EWS round. And so we decided to grab a chat with a Burke Mountain legend, Night Eyed. Knight is a bit of a force of nature, he's a trail builder, he's run race teams, he's fostered young talent, he's competed himself for years, but more than that, he's a character and he's the type of character that I think every successful mountain biking community has. Without people like Knight, we wouldn't get to do what we do or race on the stages that we do. Our very own Finley Anderson sat down with him in Burke. Enjoy, this is Knight Eyed. How long have you been um, here in... In, are, you, are you in Burke itself? Yeah, yeah I was um, born about 20 miles from here, grew up uh, 15 miles from here, uh, near Lake Willoughby. Yeah. And um, I really, I got kind of got a late start in mountain biking. Um, I was 28 before I started, so around near 2000. Mm. And sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I started uh, riding in about the year 2000 um, and was hooked straight away. Uh, just loved it, it sort of. Um, I had a tendency to obsess over things or, um, you know, go, when I do something, mm. I jump in yeah, with both sure. feet and yeah. um, it's all consuming. And so it was no different with mountain biking and uh, particularly like building because I'm a builder. Mm. Um, already have a compulsion to build and especially trails so so segued nicely yeah <laughs> how was it kind of entering the, the sport at that, at that point like i guess was there there much of a scene or were there any dedicated uh, they, trails or how yeah how there was, was a, a pretty good scene it was um you know the, it was definitely starting to grow um there there was a network that had been here for years first you know, cross-country ski trails, um, and and there was a small group of people who found found the trails, started riding them in the wet areas. They made single track around them, and it kind of grew from there. And uh, then a um, like a local wise man sort of saw the benefit in it, and uh, sort of took it as a took it upon himself to form a uh, nonprofit and. Uh, like a trail organization, mm. Kingdom Trails, that would sort of get permission for all of these trails that were appearing and make sure that it, that they didn't lose, then we didn't lose access yeah. to them. And were you already were you uh, already digging at that point? Were you uh, not really? I mean, they were, the trails were already there, and okay. soon it, ah. and and then there was a big volunteer or organization, Kingdom Trails, that um, you know I started volunteering with them and. 
Um, and I right away wanted a little bit more um, gravity than what was offered, you know, what the current trails looked like. Um, I would, being new to it, I didn't really, I didn't even understand that you actually, with the bike that I was riding, my first bike that I got, you actually weren't supposed to leave the ground with it. So <laughs> uh, I think I had 10 popped tires in the first mm. week because I wasn't, also wasn't staying on the trail. <laughs> I was trying to find something steeper and to ride with the, you know, preferably with some jumps in it. Mm. And <clears throat> so then without that having those sort of trails around here, I started, um, I built jumps in my backyard and I got permission at um, some other pieces of property where I was able to dig jumps and I may have built some trails without permission. <laughs> um, since then I've learned the evil of those ways, but um, and uh, um, but I mean we all know that that's how a lot of mm. good mountain bike trails started too. But, um, but yeah, so I started like just looking at the mountain as like a place that I wanted to ride. Um, there was already downhilling in a couple of places uh, in the area. Sunday River in Maine had lift access, Bromont in Quebec. Both of those are pretty close within an easy day's drive. So um, Bolton Valley, which is recently revived. Um, they also had lift access mountain biking. So I was traveling to those places also travel, you know, within the first th two or three years of riding, I started traveling to, um, like, uh, in the winters, I would go to uh, Boulder City, mm. right outside of Las Vegas, in Nevada. And I just, I saw what was available, what you could do with bicycles, especially, like, full suspension bicycles really started to come on the scene. I, my first one was a Santa Cruz Bullet, and, you know, uh, 50 pound tank but uh, I used it for everything cross country and downhill um, yeah. and uh, yeah things kind of went from there I wanted to bring that kind of riding to the area so mm -hmm. um, I would ride you know in the glades or on the ski trails in the early season before the grass grew up and uh, then found a moose track off the summit and started riding that and I'd have groups of friends over on weekends and we would um, we would camp in the campground and shuttle up the mountain during the day and party at night um, yeah those days were amazing mm. up this yeah. mountain yeah just Bur right here yeah Burke Mountain oh yeah. wow yeah and what were the trails like back then you say it was just kind yeah. of stuff that you found and yeah you it was just rode uh, it yeah, it was very rough and raw, you know, no um, no purpose-built features, just sort of, uh, you know, a, like I said, a moose track. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and also ski trails and um, glades, like the, uh, the undergrowth is pretty thick here in Vermont, and so um, there are glades on the mountain that are kept uh, the undergrowth is kept cut back so it is possible to ride down through them um, since then I've learned that that can be a pretty damaging and um, not necessarily the most responsible way to ride your bike so but we do have 
plenty of uh, opportunities for good purpose-built mountain bike trails mm -hmm. here now. So. so I guess it was always a more on the I guess free ride side of things than, than right. racing for you? Or? Yes, yeah, it was definitely more free ride. Um, I tried downhill racing a few times and um, wasn't my thing. There was too much standing around, not, you know, to, to be at the top of your race run and then realize your bars were a little, little crooked and then looking for assistance from someone else there you weren't you weren't going to get it whereas uh you know my, by comparison in enduro races i've seen you know people helping each other with flat tires and mm -hmm. um much more camaraderie yeah. so as soon as uh enduro started i my first race i was hooked it was just the way that i would go on a regular everyday ride all right where have you raced all over all over the U.S.? Um, mostly regionally. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did race uh, in Whistler. Um, yeah. The, you know, the local races, Eastern States Cup. And um, actually, some one of the earlier series in, uh, in our region was uh, the Triple Crown, which um, was Burke Mountain, Highland Mountain Bike Park, and... Uh, Mountain Creek in New Jersey and so those three resorts um, went together or joined together to have a series and I coordinated that series for a couple of seasons um, that's since kind of fell by the wayside the you know the it's no longer a series but and that was um, in the early days of enduro and I really enjoyed racing at mm -hmm. Highland especially uh, um, but uh, they just don't even have enduro races anymore. So I think they have small local races on the weekdays. When you were traveling, kind of, a, I guess, well you mentioned when you'd, you know, you'd head through to, to Boulder and stuff during the winter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, did, did you have any, any kind of support for that? And how did, how did seeing the, the scenes in different places influence your thoughts on what could be possible? Okay. Here, like, how did you? You know, did you, were you inspired by by what you saw? Yeah, I. Um, well, first, I was inspired by movies that I watched on yeah. VHS tapes. <laughs> um, you know, free ride entertainment, um, uh, and I saw people in those movies. One of whom lived in this in this state, and I became friends with Kyle Abbott, and so he was really influential and. In, uh, and he found out about my backyard where I had big free freestyle features set up and so I actually filmed um, a segment uh, in one of his movies. I can't remember, I think it was Cranked, Cranked 7. Um, and that sort, of, um, that sort of started the, uh, the progression of the features at my house. Um, they got bigger and bigger. And, um, then there were three other movies, movie segments filmed in the backyard. Aaron Chase traveled to um, this area to ride in the backyard. But uh, yes, I, uh, you know, in my travels, I always tried to find these places that I saw in the videos. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like what was. Well, first of all, we were looking for someplace warm to go because it was winter here and we couldn't ride our bikes. I, 
at that point I had completely quit skiing. I was just all bike and um, and so yeah, traveling to Las Vegas just made sense. You could ride there year round. It was cheap, easy flights. Uh, Virgin Utah was near there, and I had <coughs> already I think the first Red Bull, first couple of Red Bull rampages had happened, mm. and so we would go to that location. Um, Arizona, sort of uh, Southern California, just really just finding the spots that we had seen in videos. Pink bike wasn't even a thing then. We would I would research on MTBR, uh, Mountain Bike Review, yeah. and sort of just research the areas and reach out to people. And it was always so welcoming, you know. Like first time I went to uh, Bootleg Canyon, I reached out to. There was an email address attached in MTBR to one of the posts, and I reached out, and it turned out to be the guy who had um, started to build. Right, he built all the trails there, and so he invited us to just stay at his house and send our bikes to him. I just wanted information, and the next thing we knew, we had like our personal tour guide and shuttle driver, and he was really influential to me too because he was a trail builder there, so. Um, you know, just seeing his techniques and uh, the jumps that were built there. So I tried to bring some some of that back to Vermont. Yeah, though it is radically different. Not, not many trees there. Mm. Um, uh, so you mentioned that you know the Kingdom Trails Association was was formed, and you know you were pushing for for a bit more gravity than mm -hmm. than was maybe available at that point. What what was the next step now that you had, you know, the establishment of, of like a, a legal trail network? What was the next step to, to really put Burke on the map and, and the riding? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, first of all, the illegal trail on the mountain was discovered and um, it's uh, state land. Um, yeah. So at that point, Kingdom Trails really stepped up to the plate, and I and I had had been having discussions with the people who were influential with Kingdom Trails, the executive director and um, board of directors, and, and sort of really just verbally pushing for more, you know, more trails on the mountain, more gravity, and um, and the resort um, was a ski area, wasn't really on their radar so much at that point. Uh, but um, Kingdom Trails, you know, saw an opportunity to expand into that uh, gravity, um, you know, sort of gravity is mountain biking, and uh, so they agreed to, uh, you know, they went through the process to become the stewards of the trail on the mountain, got permission to build two more trails on the mountain, and uh, those trails were built, one of them was built largely through volunteer efforts. The other one, which is currently Rude Awakening, um, was built entirely by um, Kingdom Trails, the nonprofit. And, uh, and then so they managed those trails as part of their network for um, two years, and, a, and a, maybe three years. I'm not sure of the accuracy of that. But um, but um, there was change in ownership of the mountain after that 
actually before that, um, the mountain decided that they wanted to start to look at running their lift for lift access mountain biking. So they asked me to um, give a price and build the first bike park trail, which is not off of the summit of the mountain. It was just off of the lower lift, which is 500 vertical yeah. feet. Is that what we're so riding this yeah, afternoon? Yeah, exactly. The, the bike park as it is today is, um, there's a shuttle service that goes to the top to the three trails and then um, mo most people think of the bike park as just that, those bottom trails okay. in there. Excavated trails with jumps and berms and um, you know the lack of rock really lent itself to building really smooth trails that are um, really fun to ride and you know really jumps so yeah. is the, the main main draw of those trails um, super smooth not not very enduro or downhill <laughs> but uh, mm. but I think that makes a, them really accessible to oh, a much sure. wider range of rider yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and it's nice to have the, the kind of diversity as well because the stuff up there is right. pretty you know, yeah, yeah. chunky, I guess, and, yeah. and rocky. So for a rough timeline, when, what year, roughly, would you say you started riding up on, on Burke Mountain? When even, you know, when it was still the kind of moose trail? And, and um, I, would, I would say 2003, yeah. 2004. Yeah. And then I, the first bike park trail was built in 2009. Okay. And promptly named it after me which not <laughs> not what I wanted but uh, it fit in with the rest of the theme of what they were trying to build in the bike park which is sort of the uh, you know going with the kingdom theme mm. yeah so all the trails are named you know after swords or yeah knights or dragons or whatever so, yeah. and you said there were you know they uh, when the illegal trail up on on the mountain was was kind of recognized when when was that um i roughly i would i guess that was two or three years before um the bike park the first bike park mm. trail was built so 2007 okay i, I actually ran a shuttle service mm. so once the trails on the summit became legal um i would run a shuttle service from town yeah, from, from uh, in the center of the village, and I bought a old airport shuttle bus that um, we were able to fit it. At one point, we fit sixteen bikes and people inside of it, and so weekends I would just run, run shuttle service to the summit, and um, and I think there was actually one, one year of overlap where I still ran the shuttle to the summit while the bike park was operating. Um, but at the point that the lift started running, I, um, you know, it was more of a passion thing. Mm. It wasn't something that I was making any money off of, and my goal was just to make it break even. Yeah. So, which I, you know, was successful at that. Successful enough. Yeah. Had insurance and the vehicle and a driver who was paid well enough. Mm. The trails, the three trails that, that you know, the th three first officially recognized trails on the mountain are they still kind of the the roots of, of what we have today up there yes yeah, so yeah yeah yep um they've seen many many hours of armoring yeah um especially leading up to ews yeah so um 
last se yeah last season we did a lot of armoring to uh, the free ride trail, mm -hmm. and um, which is good because it, it it's very very steep. It's a definitely probably one of the most steepest uh, or one of the steepest trails in Vermont. Yeah, possibly the East Coast. Um, and was so like was sustainable mainly because of its inaccessibility <laughs> to mm. like most people don't want to ride it I you know I hate to say it but we did dumb it down a little bit by making it um, making it a little bit wider in spots and just armoring the sensitive areas where it was uh, earth yeah uh, there's lots of rock on the mountain really great granite mm -hmm. the, in my experience as a stonemason that's my the company that my trail building company grew out of okay. is a stone masonry company, so um, that really plays and fits in mm -hmm. nicely with uh, that kind of work. Is it somewhat of a, of a dream come true to have an Enduro World Series race oh, yeah, that's, on these trails? As soon as Enduro World Series came on the scene, uh, that that was my goal. Oh yeah, yeah, and I really wanted to, I wanted it to connect Burke and. Victory Hill, um, because the connection is there, and we uh, in our uh, few years ago when we had the uh, North American, uh, it was the qualifier. Mm -hmm. uh, we did ha the race actually did use both networks, yeah. and it was amazing. It was uh, thirty miles the first day, and like uh, five thousand vert. Yeah, another five thousand the second day. 15 miles so yeah. that was the steep day <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah wow and the the connection between is just such an awesome backcountry adventure you're, okay you're out in the this forest with big trees and ledge outcroppings and yeah it, it was quite an experience oh man no, that sounds that sounds amazing um yeah so who do you think out of the you know the current crop of of top racers, who who do you think will go well? On, well I'm, I'm sharing for here. Richie. Yeah, <laughs> he and I work together on Rude Awakening. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's the local favorite. Favorite, yeah. obviously. Yeah. He's. I, I was under the impression that he was. He lived a bit closer to to Burke than, than yeah. he does. So how, what's his what's his connection with with the area? How did that kind of come about? Well, I mean, um, so Red Bull really stepped up. He's a Red Bull athlete. Mm. They they wanted to do a content piece with him, and I I'd already worked with them previously on some projects, um, but he wanted to do a they wanted to do a content piece with Richie, and they also wanted to do something that improved access for everyone else. In you know this is a economically depressed region, so it it really was. Um, kind of a you know beyond just bringing content for them it was doing something for our community riding community here so uh, we eliminated a lot of really muddy sections of that trail by armoring them you know, um, my goal is to eventually have the whole thing armored so, so that they're so it's fully sustainable and um, it can handle you know, the traffic that would be if they if and when they start to run the lift to the summit mm. um, that's going to be a lot of tires yeah because 
it's a high-speed quad and um, it's just gonna only th with only three trails the amount of traffic that would be on it would probably not be sustainable unless it was completely armored and we are getting there it's close yeah. we're getting closer and closer every year ah, cool. so, but rockwork stonework is not cheap nah. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, takes a lot of time mm. And does Richie come up here to to ride? Yeah, regularly. Um, fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got a pretty busy schedule. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think for a lot of people from uh, New England, New England's a pretty small place uh, compared to like a lot of the United States. So, you know, there there are people who drive from uh, where Richie lives every weekend to yeah. ride here. Yeah. So, wow. um, he's not one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> he's traveling around the world. Yeah, yeah. I think he spent the most amount of time here in Vermont uh, last season. Okay. You know, when he didn't didn't have a busy race yeah, schedule. Yeah. yeah. But, ah, cool. What do you think hosting an EWS will will bring to Burke in terms of, of you know the riding scene and, and the reputation of of, of Burke as a, as a riding hotspot? Well, my, I mean, my goal is that, so Kingdom Trails is extremely successful as a trail organization. And um, I, I just would l hope to see that trickle over to Burke a yeah. little bit more than it has. Um, traditionally, Burke has struggled financially. It's not as, it's not Stowe or Killington. Um, it's a small, as a ski area, it's a small, hmm. like, family oriented ski area and really ski racing oriented you know, um, Burke Mountain Academy has had Michaela Schifrin when there so so that's really their um, <clears throat> you know up until mountain biking that's been their um, strongest asset is that is Burke Mountain Academy um, I've always seen the potential of, of it as a bike park yeah and really wanted to see that you know the the vision my vision of the bike park or, or, um, when I was originally approached and had the summit lift running and many more trails from the summit and little by little tra more trails have been added um, I, I don't think that it's there yet but I think it could be could be a destination for people from all over the world if yeah. they you know, especially once uh, there's an EWS race, people just mm. know about it and, yeah. and travel to it. So, so that's my goal. Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. We seem, you know, there seems to be some some pretty, uh, no, a good depth of, of talent in the local riding scene as well. I was hoping to chat to uh, Riley Miller, mm -hmm. uh, but she was busy with, with school and stuff yeah, at, the, sure. at the moment. We might still get a chat with her on Saturday. Okay. On the way back to Boston, um, hopefully. So, yeah, I mean, she's what, 16? 16, 16 yeah. years old, and like, had her first trip she out to. She might be 17 now. Okay. But she started, I have a, I started a youth um, enduro team um, five years ago. My, my son raced enduro, race, did race enduro. He's, um, so I started it basically for him and like four or five other kids, and um, and each year it's grown. And I think it was in its third year Riley joined the team, 
and it's been amazing to just watch her grow and blossom uh, yeah. into the rider that she is now. Um, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, she was. It was her first trip out to Europe for for the EWS this year, right? Yeah. She did. Was it Ludenville, uh, Trans Montana finale, and then yep, Tweed Valley. Valley, and she yeah. was seemed a yeah, regular podium yeah. contender for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, wh- what do you think it? Do you think some things just you know along obviously the timeline of you know, the trails being being legalized and and you know the mountain trails? What do you think it's happened to just to make that click to you know to start producing these these world level riders from Vermont and Burke, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess just being you know having these trails accessible, you know, for the kids that are growing up here like Riley and Simon and my son Damien and you know, there's a bunch of other kids that may not be racing enduro but they're definitely riding at a very high level yeah and they, so they grew up here they you know we don't have a lot of other opportunities that kids have for in other places like facilities for um, for other sports um, this is really what we have, you know. Like it's a, it, we have world class riding, yeah. And I don't know that what, you know, I, we don't really have much else that would be considered world class unless um, the well, we have breweries, <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, cheeses that are considered world class. So, you know, um, I think that that's just right there and available for all the kids that live here. Mm. And it gives them, gives them something to something to aspire to and be healthy at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Sweet. Uh, and also, it is attracting, um, you know, athletes from other places mm. to move here. Um, Georgia Gould is a cross country rider who's moved here and made this her home now. Um, um, there. I think I think I said her name right. Um, she's but she's like an Olympic okay. cross country um, rider racer. Um, there, uh, who else? Ida Sargent is a Nordic skier who's moved here as well, and she's also a mountain biker, avid mountain biker. Um, so I just uh, I feel like it's become. A, attractive an attractive place for people who are looking for a healthy lifestyle and um, it's become one of the a place that you would could move to yeah. and get that so yeah well it's, it's cool to see I guess from just as well from my from my perspective like coming here and you know speaking to you how yeah it's 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 definitely a place that's you know it's up and coming in terms of in terms of the riding and it's cool I guess to have an event like the EWS coming yeah. so soon in in the kind of lifeline of you know yeah in timeline of um of of the location so I think yeah I mean it'll be su- I'm super excited to come back next summer and, and see how it yeah you know it's all set up for 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 the event and I think the riders are gonna love it I mean what we rode we only rode the one the Queen stage yesterday yeah but yeah I think yeah I think the event. riders will love it too oh, I mean it, sure. it you know people do. Sometimes talk, you know, like it's criticized for not being technical enough. Um, the 
trail network or Burke in general. Uh, but there is there's definitely technical trails yeah, to yeah. be found here. <laughs> yeah, um, I think if you stick to the um, to Kingdom Trails, then you're yeah, it's not it's not that technical. Mm. But um, and just the flow, the dirt here is amazing. Yeah. Just to, it never never gets really hard packed like uh, like clay does. There's not a much clay content, so yeah. your tires are always just cutting in just the right amount. And I mean, add water just gets better. Yeah. <laughs> so and it, that's unique. I I've always referred to it. As, you know, in skiers' terms, we have the equivalent of powder. We have like mm. Utah powder here. You know, and, but it's dirt. Yeah. So. Did you ski before you started riding? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a skier first, and I always considered myself a mountain biker. Like, if you asked me what my the, what sports I enjoyed then skiing and mountain biking would be at the top I just never really got out on the trails until um, until I was like I said 28 and um, and my sister got me into it she's she actually works for Kingdom Trails as our communication okay. director and uh, and I kind of I would poke fun at her a little bit about all the gear that she had I didn't even, I didn't think that was necessary so I went out on my first real ride, mountain bike trail ride with her, and I think I was probably wearing work boots and jeans and maybe even no helmet. <laughs> and uh, I just remember by the end of the ride, I was at the bottom of the hill and she was at the top, and I was yelling up to her that uh, there was no way I was climbing back up <laughs> that hill. <laughs> yeah. What was it that got you hooked on, on riding? You think like the speed know. or the airtime? Yeah. The, you seem well, to air time, yeah, yeah, air time is you know, that's even with skiing, that's okay. been my primary focus. But um, but yeah, just uh, being out in the woods. I love being in the woods. Yeah, uh, and you know, I love the you know the progression of it too. Mm. Which you know, at this point in my life, there's not as much progression. So <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy it as it is. But and. In the in the uh, community too is especially yeah. you know in the early days it was such a small community. Every, when I would travel to ride, I would invariably meet someone who I'd already met somewhere else. Uh, um, it's just such a sm it was such a small community at that point. Yeah, and I'm definitely happy that it's growing the way that it is, and and um, you know more and more people are discovering it. Uh, you do lose a little bit of that feel of like um, you know the community is so small that you're going to see someone you know mm. wherever you go but that's fine yeah. how much like how much digging or when, when did the digging side of things come in come into it? pretty much right away after I got my first bike I, I owned a construction company yeah. masonry Stone, stone masonry specifically, and so I had equipment, um, a, you know, a loader and an excavator that I was able to build features in my my backyard, mm -hmm. and um, just sort of they got bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> I just wanted to. I guess I when I was really young, I was into BMX. Um, you know, didn't. Being from rural Vermont, I didn't have much access to any BMX 
uh, facilities or anything, but I was definitely enamored by um, photographs I would see of magazines of BMX freestyle specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's, I kind of just assumed that that's what you were doing when you were on a mountain bike um, before I started mountain biking. And like I said, the, the first, my first mountain bike I bought it and I proceeded to break it a lot. And the, the owner of the shop, the local shop here, he, I just remember him telling me, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and, then it, and then when he found out I was trying to leave the ground, then he was like, yeah, that's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. And the bikes definitely weren't made for it then either. I upgraded everything. But disc brakes came out like that same year I started I remember taking my you know the, the it was unique that your frame or your fork would come with um, disc brake mm. tabs on it it came with rim brakes but uh, the tabs were on there so I was able to upgrade that and broke the fork so I upgraded that it was pretty awesome sweet yeah it just like when you first discover the, the sport or when you know mountain biking I think it still probably is that way for people who are discovering it now but every every time you turn around and you just discover a new place or mm. a new feature or something what what's possible on the mountain bike it's just such a revelation I just I kind of miss that newness of it uh, a little jaded after after 20-something years. But, yeah. Sweet. Thank you, man. That was uh, that was rad. And Good. stoked to go and see some of these, these trails. Yeah. There you go then. Night-eyed, someone whose trails I can't wait to ride. Thanks to Finley for recording that for us and to Knight for his time. Uh, there's more from that trip to come in a later episode. Before we sign off for this week then... If you or anyone you know fancy travelling the world with the Enduro World Series and are good at editing and filming video, we are advertising for a creator position. I'll put the link to the job advert in the show notes for this podcast. And I'll actually, I'll also stick in there a link to EMBN's own Steve Jones's piece, uh, The Toughest EMTB Race Ever. It's a great insight into just how tough the Bluegrass EWSE Finale Ligary was this year, told from the point of view told from the point of view of a man who takes bike racing as seriously as he does not missing out on last order, so well worth a watch. I'll sign off for now and see if I can rope Rory back in for next week's episode. Hopefully he'll have finished walking about the streets of Interleaven in that jacket, hoping that people will stop him and ask him if he's been away on holiday. Uh, until then, see you guys next week.